0: So it's not so much about shaving hours off your time. It's more about just opening your eyes and your mind to what could be different about the way that you're working, how you're working, like the steps that you take and things like that. And with the goal of doing more of what you want to do, not of less, because that's what it sounds like. Let's get that 60 hours down to 40 hours. Oh, I'm just going to do less of what I like. No, of course not. You're still going to do another logo right after you finish that one, right? So it's like... We'll get this one done, and we'll do another one, and then another one. That's how you actually make more profit. It's counterintuitive, but it, it, it's also obvious.
1: This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind-the-scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss. Show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. Merry Christmas Eve, everyone, or Merry Christmas, depending on when you're listening to this. Hope you are enjoying your holidays, whatever holiday you celebrate or don't celebrate. Merry Festivus to all of you. Steve and I actually didn't celebrate holidays for years. We used to, like, disappear. And we spent one holiday on the farm in the Caribbean. We spent another holiday in Hawaii, like, all by ourselves in the woods. Um, But we've done a complete 360, or 180, Whatever. We've completely come around and now we did all the things. We got the tree. We baked gingerbread cookies. I think the kid has something to do with it. Um, We're all about the holiday spirit this year, though. So I hope you are enjoying it, however uh, is meaningful to you. And also, of course, getting some R&R, because that's what this time is for. So last week, things got personal when I had... Part one of my interview with my partner in business and life, Steve Wastervall, on the podcast. We talked about our origin story as a couple, as collaborators, and all kinds of stuff about his evolution from a creative who used to give his paintings away and never sign them and didn't have any knowledge of or desire to sell his art to being someone who is actively building a career as an artist. So, if you missed that, go check it out. And we're going to continue the conversation this week, except we're going to focus more on how he is building his art career and specifically how we've applied a lot of the business building strategies that I teach entrepreneurs how to do in their service businesses. We've applied them to his art business. We'll share things about how he builds his email list, how he decided to actually niche down, and how even Steve has a lead product. Can you imagine? Yes, we're going to talk about Steve's lead product. So buckle up for part two. Here we go.
0: What was game-changing for me meeting knowing you was the parts around the art that you started getting me to look at and how I didn't even know I wasn't looking at them or I was intentionally ignoring them for some sort of more like identity, ideal, like to prove that I'm an artist or to, to, you know, prove to myself, like, I'm not, I'm not about money or business. I'm about art. So I'm not going to learn anything about finances or, or running anything or, or any of that. I'm not going to learn any of that stuff.
1: Because you felt like it threatened your identity as an artist.
0: Yes. I felt like, and this is why the word sellout. um, is so useful is because that's the word that's what it felt like felt like if I'm a painter but I'm like studying or reading about or getting coached on business um, I'd be a sellout if I was like had a day of, if I had a day of time and I spent it watching a a, a training or, or a course on how to get more clients or how to do whatever how to market art would have felt icky, to use your word and I and to not be painting. And to be doing that instead, it would feel like to me, well, isn't this then what I'm interested in is marketing or business, you Mm -hmm. see, and I think that might be, we were talking about it last time with how I do recognize it in business owners, especially uh, individuals and creatives. But it's they don't they're not as hard headed as the artist. Right, the copywriter knows that they need to have a business, and they do want to get better at some of those parts, and they don't Sometimes. feel, and they don't feel like a sellout for like no, but they do still struggle in the same ways.
1: And we have so many designers in our world, and uh, and so many of them are artists. I mean, a graphic designer or a branding is a natural money making partner to an artist career.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm saying though that like artists more stubbornly want to not do anything that's not. You know what they're trying to do, whereas these more um, professional creative services, even by the nature of calling it even by its name, it's already where there's a little bit, a little bit more understanding that there do need to be some other skills and some other Mm -hmm. things that you're paying attention to. Right. Mm -hmm. but that's, that's where the similarity is. It's not that they don't want to for the identity reason. Like I said, they're not worried that that would mean that they're a business person. They're fine with that. They just don't like that stuff and don't want to do it or don't see the benefit or something like that.
1: Oh, I think it's much more similar than you think. Yeah, I I talked to so many of them and, um, look, if you're a designer, a graphic designer, you're, this is your art And, and you're a creative person. And you're, you know, if you're, A graphic designer working for yourself, you're doing it because you like this thing. You know, there's plenty of things you could choose to do. You're doing it because there's something about the craft itself that you enjoy. And I think a lot of people, not just in creative like that, but in anything where they're doing it themselves, they don't feel, they feel like they're excited that they're doing this thing that they're passionate about. And... Anything that suggests that they need to focus on selling it somehow undermines that. Like, oh, if you're focused on the money, well, then then it means Mm -hmm. that you don't like it that much. I've heard so many people say to me, oh, when, when somebody... You know if i have to charge extra for something extra it's like don't you just want to do it aren't you doing it because you love it like as if charging takes away Mm -hmm. from your passion and your love of it
0: here's another phrase oh i just want to be i want to be affordable for everyone because like i want everyone to be able to have this service right and so they say no I, i don't want to limit how many people can use me you know and stuff like that and these are these are nice they're good ideas the idea itself is good as a concept but what ends up happening is... Well, it seems altruistic. Exactly. What ends up happening is you just can't do it. You can't give what you do to tons of people for very little money because you know what ends up happening is you don't have enough money and you have no time. So you just can't do it that way. Um, so it's an unrealistic kind of thing. And, and even when they're not saying it, if you really just like whatever it is you do, whatever service it is, well, then it is hard to say no or to, to not overwork. Like me as a graphic designer, I can remember overworking, not because I thought I had to, it, I couldn't help it. In fact, there's, a, there's worth sharing. Um, I was doing graphic design and you started to sell it. That was the very, very seed, little baby version of our business. And, and that was one of the first things you brought up to me was I would make a logo. Someone would pay us like $150 or, or $200 yeah.
1: for heart. a logo.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. I That's and I drew yeah. that one. It was, it was like so a, beautiful. It was a, jewelry it was a company. piece of art. Yes. It was a jewelry company. She still uses it somewhere like as a graphic. And I drew this like fashion illustration of this, this scary, sexy woman. And it was like a logo too, with like a, a halo. Anyway, uh, it was awesome, but it took forever. I mean, I must've made, I must've worked <laughs> I for weeks. I mean, if you added up all the hours for $150, I think that one was 150.
1: Yeah, It was I remember.
0: Yep. And so that wasn't the moment that you brought it up but pretty soon after I think we already had the office when you started to mention it. you know we started to really when we had the employees or when we wanted to get them you were really big in tracking time we don't know how long we're spending on these these creative projects that we do and I was so resistant to I hated it that was actually one of the ones that I had a strong negative reaction to not just like a little bit of Hesitance or pushback. I was like, no way. This is, of course, it can't be done sooner than it needs to be done. I do it till it's there, and then it's done. You know, like you can't mess with my process. I I can't trim it down. It's the it's my process. That was my argument. It is my process. It can't be shorter. And and I was really defending that like um, the way I'm doing it is the way to do it. But then you did a good job of being like, well, I'm not telling you how, you can still do it however you want. Just turn the timer on, you know, just time it. That was where we kind of landed. That's as much as I was willing to do. I wasn't going to spend less time, but I couldn't argue with like the benefit of knowing how long it took. Um, And then when I saw the time, it, it seemed long, but it also I had nothing to compare it to. And I forgot how we started to chip away at it. But like, That was the beginning of a big change in the way that I looked at process again. It hadn't occurred to me that I could do things faster than I'm doing them, or that I could do them differently, or that they would come out good if I did them differently. And that's what I'm remembering. We're talking about business owners and how they sort of resist too. And I think that's what they think. It's like, if you mess with my process, which is where you maximize profit, where you succeed is in streamlining these processes. One of the ways. Um, well, that also means you have to, you have to alter somehow your process or shorten it, something like that. So you have to outsource or shorten it. And that's what the creative person and that's what the individual business owner sort of cringes at. They're like, so I have to do the thing I do well differently. And I think that's what stops most people from even like going down that road. And, uh, and we've heard so many people defend just like I did of being like, it takes as long as it takes, you know?
1: Well, I remember at a certain point when you timed it, it was like, look, a logo takes 60 hours and I'm not even getting going until hour 40. We learned a lot from
0: from tracking it like that, yeah.
1: Right. I mean, 60 hours.
0: Yep, 60. I remember that number.
1: Oh, and she was so difficult, too. She was so difficult, even though you were making her this custom-made, illustrative ink drawing masterpiece. Yeah. It was like every little thing back and uh, forth, back and forth, back and, that's and forth. That's such a great but, point. But that's why it was like yes. that because yes. we weren't managing it no. at all. And
0: she wasn't valuing my time because it was 150 bucks and I was working forever. And so she, and I, and the reason I even brought the sub was cause I liked it. So I was having fun drawing these yeah, things. Of course. It and,
1: was a really fun one to do.
0: Yeah, it was. And that, this is what uh, connects with the, the way I keep talking about my art career. Where it's like, um, Yeah, if you just have fun making the thing all the time, like you can do that, but then nothing else happens, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, so while I'm doing this $150 logo for, let's say 270 hours or something, (laughs) and, (laughs) you know, and having fun doing it, loving it, like, yes, being annoyed at the uh, client's requests and revisions and stuff, which all graphic designers always are, but but enjoying the process of making those edits and and drawing and and designing so that's what i see in the people that you and we help really often is the like when they they often are passionate about their service or their business what they do and so they don't not want to do it one of the things that would help them have more free time, have more time to do it, their service and make more money is to be doing their service a little bit less. Not to do it less but to spend some of the time that they would spend like like hour 270 on the logo could be spent on something else, you know? Like I don't have to give up the part that I like. I just have to sacrifice a little bit of that time into these other parts so that for well, it's benefits. a completely
1: different way of looking at the work that you're doing and the value that you're bringing and i think your own value and it, it comes with practice right i mean you had to learn to trust your own eye you had it yeah. in your mind that like you couldn't make a brilliant logo after 60 hours i didn't until think I could, hours. it
0: would be good until after 60 hours i believed that 100 mm-hmm. percent mm-hmm. even to this day I want to. I want to reduce my price when someone's ready to buy a painting, and I have to like resist the urge to mm-hmm. like grease the wheels of the sale or do a favor to this nice person that I really like who's interested in my art.
1: Right, because you want everyone to have your art. That I genuinely feel. Yeah. What I have want- I told you about that? What? I mean, with art more than anything, they don't want you to come back and decrease the price for them.
0: No, I know. They think. They think they do too. They think though. they do what someone will say they want and what they will actually appreciate and enjoy are not always the same thing. Right? In fact, we were just saying it yesterday, right. the iPhone, when they did the the market research and asked people, would you like it? If your phone also was a camera, would you like it? If your phone was also a computer, people were like, no way. Overwhelmingly, their, their own studies showed them. No, people do not want this product. And, but Steve Jobs, I guess he just had a, he had a hunch. It was well, really... he,
1: he said people don't know what they want. Right. And
0: I like that story because he it's believed not, oh, his own oh, people said they like free art. So he gives them free art. I don't, and that's not what he makes. People, I'm sure people would say, I'd love to have a free phone, but it's like, they probably wouldn't like the phone as much if they got it for free. And I don't know if people know that. So I'm okay with people hearing that and thinking like, what? No, I like free stuff. Yes, right. you like it. You don't Value it. You don't. It's not precious right. to you. It's not special. You don't tell other people about it. You might tell other people you got something for free, because and that's, that's the story. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because really, all we need in life is food, water, and shelter. <laughs> right. Everything else is superfluous. I don't and know. A
0: couple. Think... A, a couple other of my needs feel life or death. They're not. <laughs> I know they're not. I know they're not.
1: Right. So everything else is perceived value it's created somehow. Well, so let's talk about how we're using these strategies in your art business, because it's funny, yeah. like I get, I do get contacted by artists quite a bit who ask me, you know, can you help me with my art business? Or is this applicable to my art business? You know, or Badass Your Business Bootcamp. It is, I know it is because we've done it to your art, but I tell them, No, because I didn't make it, you know, we didn't craft it for them. And the gap between how we explain it and how you need to apply it in art, there's a gap. Well, the
0: examples are different. And like, if you're going to teach someone how to do something, you want them to recognize the examples you're going to talk about. Right. Yeah. 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 And, And
1: you might not be able to apply it. So, but we've applied it to your... To your business and brand, and it's worked in, in out in every way. I have, in every way, I have yeah.
0: productization. I have a lead product. I have a email a, a newsletter, you know, email list and uh, and contact list funnel or whatever. And I also have uh, and I have uh, magnet. Yeah, or I have systems too. So I have like automation. I have the uh the automate the acuity you know automated book a call to talk about a commission i have you can purchase art off the site you can We put
1: your prices on the site which a lot of artists don't yep. do No none none
0: do in fact they're even more hoity about it than businesses are they never they're like lobster on the menu they don't want to show the price even if it's not a high price they just they also want Sometimes
1: wanna... because it's not a high price i mean they yes. just
0: Yes and they want to leave room for haggling and, and reducing the price, right? So right. they want to say the price and you go, oh, and then they're going to lower it. In fact, the stuff I just dropped off at one of the spaces that I'm at, uh, they want to know the minimum I need so that they know how much they're allowed to put on top, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Is that like, they're not going to show the prices so that they can have this like, so that they can like say it's this much, but I'll charge you this much. It's like they, and that's like a big no-no to our business owners. Don't do custom, no, no, don't do custom pricing. No, right. Or custom projects. And that's the other thing.
1: Or the haggling. I mean, if I, if I'm buying a piece of art and it's like the price isn't, fixed and static then I'm then I'm just no matter what I pay I'm gonna think that yeah. I could have gotten it for less like maybe I'm not a good haggler like You're right I'm gonna feel haggle. I'm like not gonna feel good about it the same way that if you if you sell your art for one price and then you discount it at another time well now you've undermined the value of the piece that the last person purchased
0: mm-hmm. And again, I the the belief is no, I'm I'm doing something special for this person. I'm I'm giving them something else. It's like it's too much, you know? It's not and then to do that for everyone, well, why not just make your paintings cheaper? It's and you'll never be able to raise the prices either, which even it doesn't have to be everybody's goal, but it's definitely ours in our business and mine with my art is to be able to to always be selling these same services for more and and justified by the fact that I'm getting better from practice and learning every year as well. Like if you're still the same at your service 10 years after doing it, like how did that happen? How did you not get any better at it doing it all that time and hopefully uh, learning about it along the way? So.
1: Right. Well, your prices
0: should go up. They, they, even if you don't want to do it, what's the justification for keeping them low, you know? Oh, so everyone can have it.
1: Right. I think that's just an excuse. Yeah. So, Let's start with, um, a lead magnet, which is not like a new concept necessarily. Everybody understands that you need something in order to build your email list, but you know, we talk about and teach our clients about an irresistible freebie, the irresistible freebie. It has to be something that people would pay for and you got to give it away for free because if they're going to give you their email these days, it's got to be valuable. So what's yeah. your irresistible freebie?
0: First, I got to just say that no artist has that, at least that I've seen, right? So like artists make their art and you can get it or not. You can buy it or not. They don't have like a, a free something that you can get and then like get on their newsletter to now be in their universe and, and learn about them. I think it's very unique that as an artist, I have a lead magnet at all that I have an email list that I've set up on my own, not some gallery or representative, and that it has a free piece of art that then leads you sort of like into my world and into my emails. But you actually get on my email list to have a chance at this free art. And it's not a contest or a raffle. I hide tiny miniature paintings on canvas. That's a little two by three inch canvas that I make a painting on of the neighborhood And since I only paint my neighborhood anyway, Greenpoint, Brooklyn. uh, And then I hide it in the neighborhood right in front of the spot that it's painted of. And I take a photo of it holding it in front of the scene. And then I send that photo out, uh, I email that photo out right after I do it to my list. And the painting is hidden on site, on location. And then you have to be a local to find it because uh, the email will have a few clues. But it's largely this photo that I took. And you have to kind of just recognize the spot in the photo and go to that place really quickly. And when you get there, because me and Pia hide out sometimes and watch, there's a bunch of other people there already. And they're all rummaging around, looking around for this thing.
1: It's quite a scene. (laughs) Quite a scene. It's 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 usually at least a dozen people there. Some people are like you know, looking in trash cans, looking under yeah. the hoods of cars. People are desperately trying to find this painting because so many other people are also desperately trying to find the painting and you want to find it first.
0: Right. So it actually gets this kind of like fevered pitch because everyone's aware all the people looking know why the other people are looking. So everybody's like trying to beat the clock. So Pia's genius came into this because we, what we tell all business owners, what she tells business owners is, uh, you know, have a tiny version, <laughs> literally tiny version of your service or your business that they can experience for free at first. And then in that process, they'll be getting into your, your pipeline through a, a email list or a newsletter. Yeah, the
1: email list is not dead. If anyone out there thinks the email list is no. dead, it's still the fundamental um, cornerstone of marketing
0: because it's It's how to build an audience i mean how do you have a following and this is what i tell artists so if they're not collecting uh emails who's your audience if you're not because you're not always showing you're not always in spaces or galleries and you're you know people are 99 percent of the time not aware of your art or seeing it anywhere right
1: and even if they do see it it's yeah. very important that they see it for art especially but still for but for services too. It's like if they're not ready to buy right when they interact with yeah. you for art or for services, you have to be top of mind until they are. And and email marketing is still the best way to do that
0: or show back up later. And it coincidentally is at a time that they are looking for this thing, or now they do need it, or they moved and they want a painting for the wall, or they, right. they didn't need branding when they met us, but now they do. So, so
1: how did we come up with the mini painting? I wanted to come
0: up with a way to use this lead magnet idea in my art business. And right. we thought there's no reason And so, shouldn't.
1: And so you said, I want to give away paintings. And I said, no way. We I can't be give away free giving away free paintings for an email address. That's crazy. Right. And then I said, okay, but what would people definitely give their email address for? And you said paintings. And we said, OK, well, how can we give away paintings without you having to paint an additional painting for every email address? And so does even though this is work? the most involved lead product I know of, because Steve <laughs> does still paint the mini painting and hide it every so two so weeks. often, every two weeks, um, it doesn't matter how many people join the list he right, still join- only does that and to me that's that works
0: everybody that's getting on the email is getting on the email to be alerted that it's hidden so now you're not the re- the the reason you're joining my email list is because this weekend there's going to be a, a painting hiding in your neighborhood and you're going to get a notice an email alert as soon as it's hidden and you can go find it so that it removed the, the buy-in the people didn't have to think to themselves, do I really want to give my email for whatever this thing is or whatever it was, it was a no brainer and it still is today. So every two weeks when I do one of these, I get like 15 email signups, uh, the day before and the day after I do this, the hunt, the, the scavenger hunt for the mini painting. And so I only have to make one miniature painting every two weeks to feed in, you know, like, like 20, 30 people every two weeks into my email list, which I don't know if that sounds like a little or a lot, but to me, the consistency is the really motivating part of it is that per painting, I'm going to get these like 20, 30 signups and right. I just keep doing that every, every two weeks, every month. And they're
1: highly targeted people and they're local.
0: And I'm painting the neighborhood.
1: And every person on that email list is worth a lot because if they're in the neighborhood and they're fans of art, you know, these are paintings that are thousands of dollars. Like it's, it's a huge part. It is really the foundation of all of your marketing because this is how he builds his list. And, you know, until we kind of came up with that idea, it was like, how are you going to make a lead magnet for an artist? Like, what the yeah. hell are you going to make for them? You can't do like top 10 tips for, <laughs> for, I don't even know what. You wouldn't <laughs> yeah, be teaching people how to paint or you wouldn't.
0: 10 something. Yeah, yeah you probably you can't. business stuff. 10 ways to make more No, money but out. that would
1: be the wrong market because yeah, that would right. be. Would that would be, be for artists, but so you're looking for buyers. So anyway, you came up with this. It's been brilliant. So many people have asked him if he could do it. I forgot how hard it.
0: hard it was to come up with it because I've been doing oh, it yeah. for so long now, for years, that it feels so obvious. But when you just said that, I can remember us being totally stumped. And yeah. that's why this is a good story to share because I know how hard it is for our customers and, and uh, your students to do the lead magnet, to come up with something awesome enough that someone would buy it yes. and then give it away for free because how do you do that without overworking because you're not getting any money for it you're just getting one email sign up right so so yeah i think i think the lesson is in that if if an artist can come up with a way to get people to sign up for his email list without saying hey join my list join my list and then the people uh, i, I that's think not the other very...
1: i mean in retrospect it feels so obvious mm-hmm. like Obviously that's the best idea. That's what um, saying
0: like oh it had to, oh of course of that was Of course be like the what idea. else could you
1: even do, right? Yeah, that's such it an, inevitable. Like, yeah, it feels inevitable, but um the, the a mark of it being a great freebie and anyone in any business can look at it like this is that when you're looking at the sign up it doesn't there's no right like to your point. There's no hesitation of do i want to give my email address like you don't feel like you're being sold to or like you're signing up for some list you're like sweet i can't wait to get the email i want the alert Yeah. yeah like what a cool thing and not to mention obviously it is well not obviously it has become quite a staple in this neighborhood so um not last not this year because of uh quarantine had just started but last year steve did a whole um five-day Easter egg hunt where he did five paintings in a row because people have been doing it for a while and he said, okay, for Easter, I'm going to put them in. He, um, remember you ordered those huge yeah, special uh, eggs yeah special that they fit Easter eggs <laughs> and hid them every day for five days leading up to Easter and hid all these decoy eggs that yeah. had like funny little things in them and it was like super.
0: stickers and chocolate it
1: was so fun and the whole neighborhood was so into it and people were like they were just going nuts about it, and, and it, you could tell that it was building momentum like lots of people were posting about it on Instagram and just writing all the like wh- what were people saying just like oh, this? Pe-
0: remember is- uh, people were like like families were sending me their videos on their phone of like their kids running with them they were because they'd run because when the email gets sent, everyone knows that everyone on the list is getting that email at the same time and it's everyone on that list is in a very concentrated, just like a mile or two radius. And so it's a race. It's not like a hunt where will I find It's Who will get, who will find it first? Not who will get there because it's hidden once you get there. But, but, everyone runs there. And that's what I was getting these videos of kids like running and screaming to get there in time, you know, like with their parents who have been trying to get one for the last couple months or whatever, like, yeah. yeah.
1: Or just people saying, you know, sending messages, like I have not been a part of an Easter egg hunt for 20 years. This is so much fun. (laughs) The other funny thing was that they were messaging you and saying like, like there's a whole crew of us, like there were definitely regulars who would all Converge each day and like trying desperately to get it
0: But that day was like the second or third day third day because they called themselves the day three crew So that (laughs) group that's what happened that group that had been like maniacally like digging holes and stuff looking for it when it wasn't there anymore they they had such a funny experience she was like i
1: I ripped my jeans (laughs) looking for this This girl
0: sent a photo of her jeans that ripped while she was like climbing something or a chain link fence (laughs) and so so then the next day that same girl i think started started hashtagging them the day three crew and then like a few other people started using that too that were in it that had been there the day before (laughs) and so they started to be their own little clique that was looking for them for the next few days until it ended on on this
1: yeah you know that stuff is just so fun like that was all facilitated by your freebie for lack of a
0: yeah and that was marketing like all those people and that's marketing yeah Yeah, because it
1: doesn't feel like marketing like that's good like that's the kind of marketing we're were literally
0: going for running around laughing and becoming friends with strangers and stuff over a a email lead magnet to a, a sales funnel you know <laughs> and i'm not saying that to to ugly up what i've created what we created with that uh with these mini paintings i'm doing it i'm being extreme to to show that like that's what a good a really great irresistible freebie lead magnet is if, if marketing, you feel like yeah yeah when marketing is done really well And it's hard to describe what that how to do it well but when it's done the way we just described like this kind of thing and that's why it's relevant that it's art because nobody's marketing their art other than mailing a postcard or whatever sending an email so so like but it's
1: possible and it's good to see those those examples art is the
0: hardest place to market to be markety because that's where you're not supposed to be marketing at all right at least businesses we expect it and stuff ads and commercials but so to see that in an art business marketing doesn't even get recognized as marketing because it's so aligned with what my art is i think that's the real trick too it's like you're getting to experience uh my art of the neighborhood you're experiencing the neighborhood by participating right so it's actually a scavenger hunt in the neighborhood uh that is the neighborhood that i exclusively paint is a perfect kind of like intro into my world into Mm -hmm. my my creative world and my view of the neighborhood. So that's, I think when it doesn't feel like marketing, like you said, when you're looking at the putting in your email, you don't want the question to be like, what's this 10 tips. I'd like to see what they are. Sure. I'll give my email. That's a very normal thought process
1: and that can work. And that's yeah, fine. That's, fine. that's but... fine.
0: We're saying we're going for gold, which is like, you want the person to be like, Ooh, and like very quickly type in their name and email as if they were like entering over something they really wanted and we're going to get not, like sure, I'll see what this person says about online marketing reputation. I'll check out their PDF. Yeah. And and it's really hard to do. And I, I don't know that there is a trick to doing it, but the art <laughs> this art example proves that it, uh, no it's matter what your yeah, no matter what your and industry is in the hardest, uh, yeah. hardest industries. Yeah. No matter what and your product or industry you can do it.
1: And I think um, brainstorming it really just starts with thinking, forgetting about the idea. That it's a marketing tool
0: At first, and yeah, to starting yeah.
1: with the question of like what would people definitely give their email address yeah. for and then and work then backwards
0: logistically and that's the part that yeah, i would have never been able to do without you is that i uh, it's not like uh smart to know that people want free art i go free art but i could have never figured out how to streamline that process where i wasn't just making free art for everybody that got on my email list right Can so you imagine I I can and I might have done it I mean that's how overwork how naturally I overwork because I love to paint so the idea to me that I would make a little painting for each email sign up I remember at the time didn't sound crazy I mean it sounded like work but there's the there's the the sort of unexpected problem of loving what you do is that you're gonna kind of accidentally overwork And, you know, it's going to sneak up on you. You're not going to realize that. And that's what the logo story proves, too, is that like,
1: uh, because I love
0: it, I I would spend 80 hours. I'm not trying to cap it. But
1: what I think I brought to your attention at some point is that when you're able to cut that down, it's not that you then don't get to do the creative work. Like you do it because, oh, I'm working on this project and I like doing it. So I'm going to spend however much time I want. Well, what if you got like 50 of those hours back? You're telling me that you wouldn't have other creative things that you'd like to do. Like maybe working with other clients, but maybe just doing your own thing. I think it's a false, it's an excuse to work on something way too long and to have processes that are really bloated because you like what you do and because it's your passion and that's why you do this. It's a—it's a, an excuse to not figure it out. And it's hurting you because there, of course, you're a creative person, of course, there are plenty of things that you would also like to do. And you know what, once you've created a process where you're doing it in a finite amount of time and you have that space, you're more than welcome to work on it longer. You know, Steve and I have gotten it down to a science where he works on, he builds entire brands and websites with the logo and everything in a very finite amount of time. That's a lot less than he used to spend on a logo. Um, but sometimes he works more on it, right? right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, sometimes we did this one recently and he decided that he wanted to do some illustrations like, what's it called? custom illustrations for it that were very, very cool. And so he spent a little extra time on it because because it made sense, but he didn't have to. And, it, and he knew exactly how much time he could add into it. Plus he had so much time available because our process is so lean now.
0: Yeah, the fear is, you're right, that we don't want to reduce the hours of doing the stuff we like, um, but that won't reduce the amount of hours that we can do the stuff we like. It would just, like if I did three logos in 20 hours a piece, why is that not as fun or as good or interesting as doing one one logo for 60. But, and so I think the really valuable part for me and maybe for people like me listening, um, is that it's not so much about shaving hours off your time. It's more about looking at it, looking at where you, just opening your eyes and your mind to what could be different about the way that you're working, how you're working, like the steps that you take and things like that, right? right. And, and with the goal of doing more of what you want to do, not of less, because that's what it here sounds like. Let's get that 60 hours down to 40 hours. Oh, I'm just going to do less of what I like. No, of course not. You're still going to do another logo right after you finish that one, right? So, or your own project. I'm, la- I'm kind of laughing at myself for, it seems like it's such an unfounded fear. It can, mm-hmm. I can still feel it of being like, well, I don't want to do it less. I like doing it. It's like, we'll get this one done and we'll do another one. And then another one, that's how you actually make more profit. And that's how you get to do more logos or whatever it is that you're trying right. to do more of. Yeah, but it's it's counterintuitive, but it, it, it's also obvious. So it's, it's just funny.
1: Yeah. Well, so getting back to the art business, so you that's your freebie. And then we use yeah. a lot of the principles that we use in business for how we price your art too. I mean, we have for a while it was the blocks, but now it's kind of evolved. You have a bunch of different kinds of things, but you basically have a lead product, you know, it's, it's, this is what I meant by it looks different, but you used to sell the New York city blocks. You did a whole. We'll explain
0: them first too, that they're small. So the blocks are, are small postcard size wood blocks that are like a, like an inch and a half thick.
1: Yeah. They're cool. They're their own little thing, and and you did a whole show. You did a hundred for a hundred. We did a cool yeah. show years ago where you did a hundred blocks of New York City.
0: So that's my that's my other business practice in my art in my art career is the I call that the productization because that's the lead products and then the bullseye product and then my then my premium product, but.
1: We don't really have a bullseye product. It's more like that's your entry point. So now that- well, I
0: do now because of the way we priced the way we priced my commissions so high now. Remember, so that we made just like my paintings themselves that exist kind of the sweet spot. That's the bullseye, and then I have all these lower priced small pieces that don't right. devalue the big ones because they're so small. You know that paying two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars for something really little still that that price makes sense when right. you. Uh, expanded up to the bigger sizes
1: right so this is a perfect example of how it's not a one-to-one application but the concept is still the same you know people who are a fan there is some there is an original piece of artwork that they can buy and it's been this four by six block that is its own thing that's very cool he did a whole show for it you know it's the new york city blocks um it's a whole series um now recently he's been doing also like you're doing the embellished prints like you're doing all kinds of things but very specifically keeping an eye on the price point and saying what can i sell around the 200 hundred dollar price point because i know that there are people who love my art who don't can't afford or are not in any you know it's it's a certain kind of person who's gonna shell out three thousand dollars five thousand dollars for an original painting i mean (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah people. it's a very limited amount of people it's a
1: very limited number of people but there's a lot of people who are big fans so what do they buy they buy things around the 150 200 mark so you know thinking that way and having those pieces available but there's another benefit to that having those pieces available means that there's all these people out there who have steve's art in their house and we know and you probably know at home if you have art from somebody you you know or you purchased a piece that is that is original. It's like advertising in your home all the time. Every time you look at it you think of that person. <laughs> so that's really valuable too and a lot of your collectors are people who started by buying smaller pieces.
0: I was going to I was going to add that on and when you do get a big piece if you do or later or whatever, you get it from that person you bought that small piece from one day, you know? You you uh
1: It's the foot in the door technique.
0: Yep. It's, it's, like, it's a lot like the newsletter thing. So it's like these smaller pieces aren't like where I get the, a lot of income from. They're more just so that if someone wants to buy something, they can. And then like you said, there's all these extra benefits to sort of moving pieces. And also just that's the that's solution for the I want to be affordable to everyone thing. So anyone who would say that, right, I want everyone to be able to own my paintings. Well, that's a nice idea and that's great and you can do that. Just don't give them the big ones for nothing. And right, that's what this right. really solves is like by having multiple price points and different offerings, which I don't, I never did before. And so I don't think artists do. And I think a lot of business owners overlook that. I think they have their service and it's a custom price, the end, right? And maybe they have a list of services, but they don't have fixed prices on any of those. And right, it's like, right, they're not in a price structure either. It's like these are what these things cost. And so, what this does, what you, what you just described, is, the, is your concept of productization where the multiple products at different prices sort of create this they, – they do the perceived value thing. So now this little tiny piece that I buy for $300 doesn't feel expensive. It feels cheap. Not cheap. I should say affordable.
1: Right. So people horrible. are buying
0: a six oh, by we've, six. we've
1: bought three, bought three, four, five hundred dollar pieces at, at shows because they feel in in comparison they feel like yep. very. We saw the art
0: we like from the person, and it's five grand or ten grand, and then you can see oh they have a piece there for two hundred, and then you get it. It's like a souvenir. We've yeah. often said right. We like, totally uh, buy
1: stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why people... we know. <laughs> well, and what's your favorite example? The Tiffany's, uh, the Tiffany. Oh yeah,
1: this is so we we call this the Tiffany's strategy. Well, this is slightly different, but. I think of the Tiffany strategy as the it's reason the idea that...
0: that it doesn't devalue the the brand and that the the fact no. that you have higher price stuff
1: well, I think of the Tiffany strategy as it's in my uh boot camp, it's the upsell, and in your art, it's the twenty eight thousand dollar piece on your commissions, or you know, you have like these much larger paintings that most people are not you know. You gotta buy, but they're they're at ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. You know, I mean, and you have sold those before. You did, uh, yeah. You know, you did the um, that huge piece for the Oriental Mandarin, the Mandarin Oriental uh, Hotel in Columbus Circle for the mm-hmm. VIP room. And that was a huge piece that they paid over ten thousand dollars for, and that was a long time ago too. So there's a reason that these pieces are at those price points, but that price most people are not gonna spend that money. But that, that piece at that price point is what makes that three hundred dollar, two hundred dollar piece. Yeah. So I think
0: accessible. there was even yeah, I think there was even a time in our business at the early on where we only had one offering as well. And I think that's this is how it happened. You and we learned about this and then applied it to the art. That's what's so funny about the art business right. is that it's really like the final testing place for these types of ideas because of the thing we keep talking about about it being like a, a non necessary product like something right. that no one ever really needs uh, and is and, and then that the values in the eye of the beholder right you can't pr- make someone believe that a painting is worth ten grand Uh, Plenty of people still look at a Picasso and whatever it sells for in an auction and go, what? That much money? That's insane. And like they don't – because that's just a lot of money. So they go, that's a ton of money. Like they're not like, yep, it's a Picasso. So totally it should be that much. Well,
1: at that point, (laughs) it's like buying stocks.
0: Yeah. But I'm saying someone who knows a lot about art goes, yeah, that's how much that painting costs. And someone else who doesn't know goes, what? That painting costs what? Oh, my God. So I'm saying that with art, the value is whatever the person looking at it you know, thinks. You can't make them believe that it's more than than whatever they think it is so that's why it's the that's why it's the ultimate test for these business ideas of pias
1: <laughs> it is yeah. and and so yeah. far so good so it applies beautifully it doesn't no. apply exactly but it it no. works just the same because it's the psychology of value and it's the psychology of of buyers
0: there, there you and go it's fascinating it's, uh, Yeah. They're like principles that are, I wouldn't call them true. They're just sort of like physics, right? The physics of of value or the physics of, uh, of like, of choice, right? So you and me did a lot of, uh, sort of research into like why people, cause we were pitching in our business Mm -hmm. amongst other branding agencies. And so there'd be like three to five of us pitching and we'd all have to pitch our price and like show why we would be great to do it right what a right. horrible process that always was
1: awful
0: yeah and Namers. and you don't know what the other people are saying for price you don't even know how you're looking stacked up against these other competitors right you can't even lower your price to be competitive because you don't even know what the other people's right. price is right so in that in that phase of our business i remember that we got very good at, at um i was it a b b minus where it's like <laughs> like the options that the price will be high or low, depending on the prices that you're looking at. So if three companies submit and their prices are all sort of similar, and one's just a little bit over and a little under, oh, this one's the highest and that one's lowest, or you get one where the range is humongous. But what those three prices do is they have a relationship with each other that that affects the perception of the person looking at it.
1: Yes, absolutely. And uh, I know that we, even back then, I know that we won a few projects where we were the highest bidder. Mm-hmm. And, and that, to me, that is always the goal, because I, the reason I know this is because they hired us and said, you came in at the highest price, but we want to work with you, so we're willing to pay it. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes they said, you came in at the highest price, and we want to work with you, can you lower your price? To which I said, absolutely not, and then they hired <laughs> us anyway. Um, wow. But there is- um... Or oh, we
0: liked you the most, but you were too expensive, sorry.
1: Or they, yes that yeah, happened too. which we
0: were always okay with too
1: which I was fine yeah it meant they didn't like us the most but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate that they said that um I think that the that the goal the goal is always you're the highest you're the highest bidder and we're going to hire you anyway because it means that you did your job in showing your value enough I, I, if you're you able want to win. the
0: person to you don't want them they don't most people don't want to pick the cheap person and even if the person the client does want to you don't want to be the person who is the cheap service provider or artist exactly like, nobody right.
1: yeah nobody wants the cheapest no. one
0: there are some people that shop on price but they if they didn't have to they wouldn't want to and then if you're the person pitching you don't want to be the low cost person that wins it because you were the lowest cost and that's no, the only reason nightmare you want a situation especially right. with the people we're talking about that like what they do or like what they sell in their business especially them right Right? so yeah so the that's me doing the low price points at smaller sizes even all the way down to tiny free paintings as my lead magnet
1: but let's clarify so the the mini painting which is how big Mm -hmm.
0: two two by three inches
1: two by three inches gosh it seems so much smaller than the
0: oh you know what it's smaller than that. Cause that's yeah, a two by so three is a business smaller. card. It's a little bit smaller than that. It's a, sort of an odd size. It's okay. like uh, Cause
1: it looks so it, much smaller than a four by six.
0: Yeah, it's more like two by one and a half. Okay. That's what it is. Well, it's yeah. tiny.
1: It's very cute. Um, people always ask, can I buy one? And no, you can't never. buy a mini painting, no, never. No. You can only find one. So that yeah. gives it a little more cachet too, right? Like it's yep. fun that you can't buy these.
0: Because they're anyone participating special. would know that too. And I've been asked, I probably get asked every time I do one, at least once by someone uh, on Instagram or an email, can I buy one? Because they're sick of trying to find one and not getting one. Right. <laughs> and and so every time I do one, I tell somebody, nope, you have to find them. And so what we know now is that if anyone does ever see one at someone else's house or if they do find one themselves, they'll know that they're part of that club sort of. It's like... You couldn't yeah. have purchased that. You must have found it searching for it from this email list thing.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and then you get the day three crew stuff where it's like, oh, you look for those paintings too. You do the mini hunt. Yeah. Oh, I haven't found one yet. I'm hoping to. Oh yeah.
1: And so, let's just talk briefly. We 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 mentioned that you niched down. So you you paint New York, you paint Brooklyn, but you yeah, specifically I'm a paint. Painter. You but you specifically paint a lot of Greenpoint because that's where the art studio is, mm-hmm. and because it's your jam and your, your scene and you like, like it, it. and yeah. but we also decided to niche down in that way a couple of years ago because there was an opportunity really to become micro famous, which I've written about many yep. times before, yeah, and you really have achieved that I mean, you are micro famous in this neighborhood, I, I think would so. say. Anybody who's paying attention on social media, anybody who's owns a local business around here, anyone who's of a certain age, anyone who's interested in art, they all know who Steve Wastervall is. And we know this because it happens every so often that you're buying pizza at Polly G's or we're at the holiday, you know, store or whatever. And people are like, wait a second, are you Steve Wastervall? And it's so funny.
0: (laughs) Yep, that happens <laughs> and what
1: that's happened actually with the pizza I know, guy again
0: yes yeah, so the pizza one is so now since you can't go inside a pizza shop they just all have windows and i ordered a couple slices from this window and they just come to the door and call your name so there's a bunch of us standing outside waiting on our pizzas and the guy comes out you know and says your name and you go up and he gives you your box and when the guy called my name when i went out to him he said or, he wasn't the one who recognized me he said it, are you an artist? Do you happen to be an artist? You know, I said, yeah, yeah. Why? And I had a feeling this is what was happening because this stuff happens. So it wasn't even, uh, right. I wasn't confused. He said, are are you an artist? I said, yeah, I am. And He goes, yeah, the, the chef in there, John, he says he loves your stuff. Like, uh, and he invited me to some sort of supper club thing or something. And, uh, (laughs) that was, that was cool. And, uh, and wrote this funny message on my pizza box and uh, And then the other funny part was the few people staying around waiting too, like watching this conversation Happen as well, you know, yeah, because because the pizza guys being like yeah He, he says you're awesome and a couple other guys also know who you are. So I don't know like, like awesome
1: It's so cool. It's so validating because it just shows it's to me. That's all about the consistency and visibility You've just been visible consistently as the Greenpoint artist for a couple and the focus. of years, and the focus and the focus, yeah. But you've just been doing it for so long that we yep. can't help but know who you are. And when we were at that holiday show last year, and this like woman came up to you, she was like a fan girl, like, "Oh my God, can I get my picture taken?" Well, she with didn't you?
0: recognize it; she overheard. So remember, I went and uh, to get that poster. Oh, so just nice. this other artist I met online, he had drawn a poster of the neighborhood uh, by hand. And so I told him I wanted one and then, but I messaged him online. And so when I messaged him, he goes, oh, you? Uh, you can have one for free. Just come come to this craft fair that I'm selling them at or whatever, and I'll give you one and I'll sign it. And he was all excited. And so that was one instance, that was another moment. That was a micro win or a micro famous yeah. win thing. And then when I w- we were actually at the thing and Pia, we were standing next to each other and I was getting the poster from the guy and he was signing it. He was just saying, talking to me about me, oh, I love your mini paintings, it's so fun. And, and then the woman overheard
1: oh. and said, the
0: mini paintings, she heard just from the words, oh, the, <laughs> those painting hunts, that's you? So she didn't know who Steve Wasser was, but she was aware of this thing happening oh. and then she realized that I was that person so she wasn't
1: all i remember was i had to take photos of you with her i had to take photos with you with him
0: yeah (laughs) so he took photos with people i mean it's funny
1: (laughs) it's just funny because it's um like it's just such a perfect example of something i mean i bought the the domain years ago manufacture fame i like to talk about this concept about how you can manufacture fame um if you want, and this is a perfect example of that. It, it's yeah. just about visibility and consistency, and that is true for anybody in any position, any business, you're building a personal brand, you're building your company brand, whatever it is, you're an artist, it's visibility and consistency. And most people can't handle the consistency, and that's why they don't get there. But I, there is no question to me, like if you do these consistent vis- visibility, you will have those micro fame moments and they will snowball. I mean, yeah, they, they will they snowball. Actually, yeah, they actually,
0: they're exponential. And uh, yes, I think it's like an art of war saying, but I feel it to be true. It's opportunities seized multiply. So it's kind of like the more that stuff happens, the more it does happen. Because just like right. just like the guy signing the post or signing his map and then going, oh, I love your stuff. And then this woman, what? Oh, you're Overhearing and going, you're him, right. and the same thing with let's say the pizza thing. Nothing else happened, but it's it's likely or possible that one of the other people standing outside is now rem-
1: looking you up. Yeah, like and now they're following you.
0: Or yeah. the next next time they see me, will will recognize me. Oh, you're that guy from PolyG's that they were talking to about your art or whatever. Like each time that this stuff happens, more of it happens, and every time that it's happened, I've seen. Literally in the moment usually something else happens right then and there you right know? like with the the pizza one again He gave me that supper club thing and then like I went and signed up on his email list for the supper club the secret supper club thing Because uh, it's kind of like a speakeasy Dinner club idea where it's like fancy food and you get invited or something. So it's it's funny like that exclusive so when I go to the site and I sign up then he like responds back right away and like, oh, I, I really want to get a painting. And so then that actually connected me with him. It made the connection complete uh, where he might not have even been on my list. That's another surprising part. Like sometimes fans aren't always on your email list, you know. And the email list, what it does is, because I'm sending out an email every week, when these people want a painting, when they're sitting around thinking about a gift, when they when it's the holidays or whatever, whenever the timing becomes right, that's when they'll buy. Uh, right. People don't buy art on the spot. And expensive services like branding like ours and the people that we help, people don't buy that stuff on the spot either, even if they need it. They shop around a little bit. Their life might change a little bit so that they delay it or postpone it. They might decide they don't need it anymore, right? It's a big purchase as well. It's a lot of money. So.
1: Right. And in branding, it's also a lot of trust. So it takes some time to build that trust. And I actually think it's it's not trust exactly, but it's like a relationship that needs to be built with you before they buy it. Because your biggest your biggest purchasers, like the people who have bought the biggest paintings are people who have been following you for a while. Mm -hmm. And they buy that painting. And it's usually the centerpiece of their living room. You know, or it's right above their fireplace, or it's it's somewhere very prominent. It's a very important piece to them. Um, either it's something you've already painted that means something to them, or it's or it's a commission. Yeah. But but either way, um, because it's so important, that's why they have to build the relationship with you. It's yep. not just I like this, you know. And uh, uh, more than a few of your of your c- clients, customers. I feel like at that price, they're clients, even though they're kind of just customers because. It's a product, um, but we'll call them clients. Um, I, I think a lot of your clients, it's like they're they're they just bought their home, you know? They bought their first condo. Yeah, like these decision. are important moments, yeah. and these are important pieces. And yeah. and so if you think about it like that, of course there needs to be a relationship, and that's why it's a kind nurt- of like a trust.
0: nurture process, right? And so without an email list, right? Yeah. But without a way to stay in touch on a regular basis, that's why what you said is so true that it's email email list is still the best way to to grow an audience, uh, personally, like as an individual. Yes. And the other thing we're saying here is how in any big ticket sale, so anything over five grand up to 50 grand, which is the range we have experience in, it's not an on-site purchase and people need to go through a little bit of a nurture process to get to that, pull that trigger. I would too. I don't want to drop 20 grand right. on something tomorrow just cause I need it. I want to like make sure whatever that means to me, uh, that that's the company or the person I, or the painting that I want. <laughs> right. Right. So you want to feel
1: really good about the purchase. You, it's not because yeah. this is art and it's about the perceived value. So it's not just, I like that.
0: Well, remember this when we would sell street, we would sell art on the street in New York at, at uh, union square. There would be these moments where someone would walk right up to us, to our little stand, and buy a painting. They say, I want that painting. And I'd say the price and they'd say, okay, and they'd buy it. And then they would say, and then they wouldn't leave. They'd stand there and go, okay, now tell me all about you and the painting. <laughs> Do you remember that?
1: No, not at
0: all. Oh, no? Yeah. That happened at least uh, at least three times I can remember well. where. <laughs> It was, it, it was because first the instantaneous purchase was always very strange. Like those didn't happen right. almost ever. And then when they did, it's not like the person just like ran away afterwards. They were like, okay, now nurture me. <laughs>
1: like now yeah, they wanted, give me. They need a yeah. story for this painting yes. they just bought.
0: Yep. Now they, they Even when they saw the painting from across the street and said, I love that painting and I want to buy it, they still wanted – the, the reasons and the explanation and the stories afterward, after the fact. So to me, that's just sort of proof that like, that this, this nurture thing that you're describing, it's always there. That like rarely is a person just going to be like, Oh, look at that. That's nice purchase. Goodbye. And like walk away. It's like, they, there should be some other stuff that goes along with that of getting to know the brand or the person Mm -hmm. uh, better, deeper, Right. Yeah. You don't want to have this painting that you love that you saw in New York, and then someone's like, "Oh, who painted that?" You're like, "You know what? I didn't even ask his name. Some guy. I got it from. Like, like if I was buying a painting from some street artist, you know, I'd at least want to know their name. You'd be like, "Do you live around here? Or are you from here?" You would ask a few questions right. because it's important.
1: You gotta, you gotta give them a good story too. Like they, they want the story. That's something else we've learned over the years selling art, which is funny. I mean, it's similar but different. Like in buying services. It is what's the story you know people like to buy your art because they like you they like your story they like who you are and what you represent and it works for them and then they like your art i mean it's all part of the same thing so that's yes. part of why the marketing is so important because how are they supposed to know who you are enough to like you and want right. and want a piece of your world that's what i see a lot of people who buy your art mm-hmm. you know especially the ones who come into the studio and they. You know they they book an appointment and they come in to look at the art in person and they like to talk to you and you guys have a beer like they love mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. part of it so that when they finally buy the piece they're taking that whole experience home with them
0: what i love about all this stuff we're saying right now is that this also applies to business so this is the stuff that i would have thought as Didn't matter in business like like previously Like if you if I go way back to when I was just my hardest self I would said "Nah, that with services you need a service you look for the best version of that service for you Or your price that you have or both and then that's the one you get and you want them to do it and finish it Be gone and this and that and it's and I think that a lot of especially small business owners the people that were Only ever talking about not corporations uh, It's the same like like people are gonna gonna buy if they like you they want to like you if they're gonna buy from you people don't buy from people they hate or that they don't respect or that they're not interested in and so it's not like you got to make yourself more th- or different than what you are it's just important to remember that you're not in this this like cold transactional non-personal business thing just because you sell a service right mm-hmm. like that people want to get to know you. They want to hear about how you, why you do what you do. This is why you're such a, a proponent of content marketing and writing articles because people that sell services and do things ought to explain why they do it the way they do it. And not in a, in a salesy way. And literally tell me why you do it that way. What, why did you choose to do it that way? Like, do you think that's better or than the other people's way of doing it? Or like, or did you just come to it on your own or like that stuff makes the sale. And so just like with the art, it's not like I'm going to say the right thing and get the sale. I'm just going to be who I am. And and that is either helping or hurting the sale. (laughs) And so I think it's the same for the service providers. It's like, you want to give them a lot more than just your list of services and tell them you can do that, that Mm -hmm. you're able to do that. Like they need, people want more than they want a little bit more than that
1: right but not in the form of free strategy sessions
0: nope Never
1: free. <laughs> in the form of content The in fact, content is, is what does most of the heavy lifting
0: yeah in fact I I didn't realize that the mini painting isn't giving free art giving free anything to anyone because even though it is you have to find it and you you can't go get it you have to do work to get it and i'm only making one that like i then send to a list of like 900 people uh to go look for now 900 don't go look like we said there's like 10 or 12 or you know at the most 15 people are going to be on the spot at any given time uh but the point is i'm not making 15 paintings like i probably would have without pia's guidance i'm without your guidance or
1: 900 paintings (laughs) exactly
0: i didn't make 900 paintings i got those 900 people off of 30 paintings or whatever so it's that's the important thing to remember is that you can still give things away but you can set it up in a way where it's not it's scalable uh, yeah and where it's not devalued that's the thing i keep thinking about as an art artist is like i don't want to do stuff that then is like well if you're Throwing paintings around, like why is that one cost so much? Like it's it's got to make sense, right? Um, and so the even though the mini's free, it's very exclusive. It's very difficult to get, and you would feel lucky if you ever got one. You would never think like, yeah, he just puts these things everywhere, and I happen to find right. it. It's it's very. Uh, it's very uh,
1: special. It's an exclusive it's club. You created yeah. an exclusive club, and I don't think we even realized that that's what it would do in the beginning.
0: No, not at all.
1: But it was it was in the beginning it was slow moving, right? I mean you did oh, it. Oh god. And maybe just uh, one person went. One and or two for people it. might yeah. go
0: out there. In fact, the first few ones would be out there for hours, even almost the whole <laughs> right. day because nobody was really even like on this list or caring. Nobody was so that's paying a, attention. Yeah. Yeah. That's another good um like kind of inspirational <laughs> message for any business owner who doesn't have a list yet, an email list or is just starting one or doesn't have a uh right. magnet You,
1: you got to stick with it long enough where it can get that momentum.
0: It's exponential for sure. If you make, yeah. a, if you make a great one, if you make it, a and, really irresistible one.
1: And the buildup is, is slow.
0: Yep. You know, yeah, so I would say it was first, like that for a while.
1: That first couple hundred people, that mm-hmm. first push is the hardest part. So if you're starting, yeah. just know that. But it absolutely does snowball if you stick with it.
0: And yeah, I, just... I would say over the, I've probably done it for two years now, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe a little longer, something like that. And I would say that like every month, cause I do two a month, but I haven't always done two a month. You know, I've, I've had some little lulls, but I would say that it, it went from a few signups here and there. And now I can like reliably count on, like I keep saying, like 20 to 30 over the few days of the hunt from the, the day before the day of, and the day after, you know, they right. trickle in over those three days and I can count on those. And, uh, and so now to use your way of looking at stuff Pio, where you like do your Excel sheet math to it, where like, (laughs) no, like if this painting, the mini painting takes me an hour or whatever to paint or two, then it's like, okay, so an hour or two of my work gets me 30 email signups. Right? Right. So now if you're a person trying to grow your business, you might there's all kinds of services that we've even looked at and and even use certain types of ones that say like, okay, we'll get you hundreds of email signups, right? And you pay for them. So this is what that is. It's like uh, and, and those aren't even targeted leads. Those aren't even like warm or people that would want what you want. Those are just people coming in your pipeline and maybe a couple stick. So, I love that. Can, That's a great yeah, the, way of looking at the it. The fact that I found when I look at it the way you look at stuff, it's it's amazing because it's so maximized, it's optimized. Like for an hour or two of work to be able to count on 20 to 30 email signups is is awesome. You know?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. It's a I I didn't even thought of it like that. It's a great I always tell people you know, there's whatever you say yes to, whatever you put your energy and effort into, there's an opportunity cost to that, right? Because whatever you're doing in your marketing, it's something that you're, there's something else you're not not doing. doing, And so even if what you're doing is great, if maybe there's something better that you're not doing, well, then it's not so good. Um, But in the same vein, looking at your, this work that you're doing and being able to evaluate it like this, is really important because you can look at your freebie idea and say well is it worth X amount of time or X amount of effort to get Y results and do I have a better version um, you know I think your, your numbers are also really powerful and important to share thank you for sharing because in a digital online business where you can work with clients all over the world and of course you can sell art to people all over the world but your email list is really for locals like part of it has the power is in the locals having 900 people who live in the um, you know basically one mile square radius of here is yeah. really powerful their neighbors they're neighbors. such targeted customers yeah. um, and you know, guys, everyone feels like sheepish about their list size or thinks their list size should be better. It doesn't matter how many people are on your list. It matters who's paying attention. So if you've got a really engaged list, you only need a couple hundred people. Um, True. To do and very if well. you're
0: able to grow it, like I'm saying. So and if you're able to grow it, it right. The artist example is right, cause amazing. Right, because you grew it from zero. Exactly. Is- I had nobody. And and the artist example is the best because it's the hardest because why would someone join an artist email list, right? Mm -hmm. Even if I like an artist, I'm not on an artist email list because what are they gonna send me? Paintings, they're gonna send me emails and say, look at this painting I made, look at this painting I made. Well, I can see their paintings anytime I choose to by going to their website or their Instagram or their Facebook. So like artists are terrible at emailing people stuff. They don't know what to email them or what to do. My emails aren't, hey, look at my art. It's, hey, there's a painting hidden. Hey, here's a print that's uh, $50 instead of 5,000 for a painting. So it's like artists aren't doing reproductions or things like that either. If they do the reproductions, they're not emailing it out to purchase like that. And they, and mostly what I was trying to say is that independent artists like me. So if you're not represented by a gallery, how do you have the chance of selling a painting? What can you do yourself that, that would actually grow your odds of selling a painting? Nothing. You can't mm-hmm. do anything you can't go meet people you can't go to networking events it's so mm-hmm. a lot of the things that exist in business this is why the art is such a great example in contrast to the business because if we could find this way that we did it then of course there's going to be easier ways to do it in business circles because an artist there's nowhere to network you either get in a gallery or you don't and then that's it and you post on social media every day your, your right art. that's it and you you tell people you're an artist and you hope someone buys something and that doesn't work that does. It can kind of, sort of, I won't say work because it working to me means like lasts, like it kind of can happen a little bit here and there and you can do it enough to sort of get by for a while and, and keep getting by. But, um, the email list is the only way to grow an audience. And I think the same is still true for a business. I would say, wh- where are you collecting the people that would or could buy what you do? Right. So, and then, how do you grow that list? Because every person that comes on it that is interested in what you do is a potential customer. So then the game just becomes, well, let me just keep getting more and more signups. And that's all I can focus on. In fact, that's mm-hmm. what I've been doing Pia recently with my new commitment. Uh, this since the lockdown came off, right? I've been consistently doing my, my mini paintings every two weeks, maybe more consistently than ever, like without a break. And that's what's starting to like snowball into the more and more signups. And it's something I'm going to, I'm committed to, and it's all I have to commit to make paintings and then do these mini things to get more people on my list. Because let's, let's even say that out of my 900 people, let's say that I only get a, a painting purchased for every like 300 people that sign up because this is basic business. email growth for small businesses, right? You Mm -hmm. have an email list and then you start to figure it out. Oh, every hundred signups we get like a sale. Okay, can we pay for ads to get more signups? Because the more signups we get, the more sales we'll get, right? Right. So now I have that as an artist and it's not icky either. I don't have to do anything icky. The The more I just stick to doing this mini painting thing where people are signing up to find them and stuff, I eventually should have the entire neighborhood uh, that's interested in art on my list, you know?
1: Right.
0: And so for every couple hundred people that I grow my list by, I'm getting uh, more painting sales. So I actually have something that I can do to increase my sales over time too, because it's not just like, it's like a one for one, like a hundred signups for one sale it's just an average kind of metric of like, oh, it seems like every hundred or so I get around a sale, but that same person might end up becoming a collector. And the same thing in your business, that same person might buy several services from you. So you're always trying to hook those couple people that are fans, but where is the net that you're casting? And most of the people we run into think that Facebook ads is gonna be that big savior for them and find them all these people, but we know how hard that can be.
1: Yeah, and expensive
0: yeah to be successful, yeah and there's a lot of overhead
1: right yeah that's great, and that's a good way to think about um your activities too, and how to focus your own efforts to focus on the um the one metric that you know um yeah, like domino effects into the oh, yeah. metric you're looking for. I think a lot of people I'm constantly um reminding my coaches about this, you know it's like when i say what's your what's your goal for this third quarter or for this month or whatever it is and they're like, oh, get five sales. I'm like, okay, it's a great goal, but like what's the goal action that you're gonna take to get but to is that? A goal? Smaller one before because that, right? Getting yeah, like how the five do you sales, sales. Like, yeah. well, how do you get a sale? Okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. you know, I have certain people that um you know, because they're still building their authority online, they get most of their sales through LinkedIn. Okay, well then um if that's where it is, then how many people do you need to talk to through LinkedIn to get five yeah. sales? Okay, go do yeah. that. Your goal is really you know, get 10 calls from people on LinkedIn.
0: And there you go. That's and this, this thing you're talking about, not that it's uniquely yours, but like that's what I was talking about that you were good at earlier about giving me a smaller step to the time management with the logos and the 60 hours. It's like, this is what you do, you break it down step before the step before the step mm-hmm. so that i have a very simple thing that i can do that doesn't create the sale but that i know is the first step in a sequence of steps that makes a sale possible and that's the only thing you actually can work on and so many of us get distracted on trying to make the sale even you and me at the beginning remember like we thought we were going to go to a meeting and like sell them on our branding project and they were going right. to like, buy it oh. that's how we, how we thought it like worked
1: we were so cute
0: we were cute. We were very, <laughs> we were so we were, naive, very endearing. Um, we must have looked so green to those people, but seriously, someone still hired us because the price was probably right or we were, were underpriced so for how good we were. But, um, but that was what we thought then, and that's what I, I realized is one of those things I've been saying over and over again in these conversations with you of like things I didn't know, things that I had never even looked at or thought of. Was like, I see so many artists and business owners looking at how to get that sale instead of just chopping it down three steps to like, well, what's the first thing that leads to any sale? Do Mm -hmm. more of that and do lots of that and do lots of that because that's like, like planting seeds. I mean, to use the overused metaphor, like if you need sales, plant more, if you need more plants, plant more seeds. Don't, don't, you know, try to make more plants. That's how you make, (laughs) right. Yeah. You don't get sales. You do all these other things like brand building and value building and networking and marketing and these lead magnets and stuff like that. You do all of that. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing as an artist. And it's working. And I'd love to share that with artists, too. I think you and me will provide a lot of your courses through the sellout brand to artists soon. That's a goal of ours. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, because, absolutely. Because I mean this is making so many it more ideas. Obvious.
0: Yeah, this is showing me it's like totally parallel. There's all we keep saying it, there's always differences, but those differences don't um, make the the principles not work or not useful.
1: Right. No, you just have to show stories that apply it in this way. Right. You have to give the examples because like we're showing it's not a one-to-one um, application. We had to switch it for the art. You
0: have to have a sales. And we po- have yeah, marketing so have minds. Say- we
1: have to remember that. Like we're thinking about marketing and branding all the time. So obviously like applying it is easier for us, but I think that it's, it's definitely possible. And that,
0: that's why that might be the most bucket helpful list. thing. It's, yeah. That, that's why it might help the most for anyone who doesn't know is like, this is what you should be paying attention to is like, what is the, how do you get most of your sales? trace them back to the first thing that happened and then do that a lot. Even if it's something silly, like, oh, I got it from a, fa- I, a lot of my family buys my things. Well then go talk to more of your family members. <laughs> like, like you, ha- everyone already has sales, if they have a business or if they're still an artist today, you must have had sales. And all you have to do is like the story of the sale. And then you do all of them. So you'd say, you take your last 10 sales and mm-hmm. you kind of trace them you're gonna to start to see some patterns and you're gonna see some similarities and maybe they all came from the same general source, which is like meeting people at parties or whatever it might end up being, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, every time I do an, a show, that's one thing you and I realized about the art. Oh, every time Steve does a show, he sells a bunch of art. Now that seems really obvious, like duh, but we would make a lot of sales before and after the show as well. We weeks. made
1: most of the sh- the yes. sales before and after and, and the fewest number of sales at the event itself. In fact, almost nobody bought at the point. event itself. But the events were costing us a lot of money. And so we took all that information right. and started to try to figure out how we could get the momentum of the <laughs> yeah. show without spending five grand on our show.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the point was is that we saw the show as a catalyst, so then yes. the, the game became, okay, how can we do the show for free or at no cost to us so that we're not eating the, our profit, right? Right. And so there's the point is is that if you've been able to sell anything successfully at all, um, you already have somewhere that you could be, some sort of activity or action that you could be doing that could be helping you get more future sales that isn't trying to get sales. I hate hearing that. I hate, right. oh, I got to get more clients, right? That's what they say. I got to go get more clients. got to get clients. It goes, and then you said, how do you get a client? You know, and oh, I don't know. I don't know. And you go, well, have you ever got one before? Of right. course. How did you get that one? Well, that just happened to be a referral from my friend who I went to college with. It's like, okay, what? You can't right. try to repeat those processes. You can't go meet more of those people. You can't.
1: And this is a perfect place to pause this episode or end this episode, because in the third and final installment of this series with Steve, worst of all, my, my main man, business partner and artist extraordinaire, we'll talk about the business.
0: Finally, Uh, I've been enjoying all the art. I know. Art talk. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I think I have a lot of artists out there. Um, even if you're not a, a, a selling artist
0: even if not i like it as the uh, the hardest product to sell
1: it is uh, if you can apply you know, it to yeah. art then you can definitely make it work in business yeah
0: because if i was selling something useful something that does help people make money like i'm selling right. social media Which marketing it's the easiest
1: thing to sell it's something and then like i help people yeah and then i
0: heard well says it sounds like it but business owners struggle to sell their services right so anyone who's trying to sell their service if they I, I feel like if you hear me saying like yeah i'm i all i do is uh, get New email signups and it leads to sales. It's like it really is that. It is. It's not that simple, but it's like that's the, simple, the foundation. but not easy. Yeah, like that's the foundation. You said it with the consistency and stuff. It's you got to do it a lot.
1: Yes. Okay. You do it a lot. Consistency and visibility. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll wrap this up and we'll reconvene in a little bit and chat about branding and marketing. You guys still want to hear us talk? <laughs> <laughs> If you want to see Steve's incredible artwork, stalk him on Instagram at Steve Wastervall and sign up for his VIP list so you can see how the mini painting thing goes down. Of course, you can also visit his website, stevewastervall.com, and I will link to all of these in the show notes for this episode, part two, with Steve at piasilva.com backslash podcast. I will also share some photos of the Easter egg hunts for the mini paintings that we talked about The Instagram posts, the social shares, they're super fun to look at. And they may even give you ideas about how you can think outside the box for your freebie to build your list as well. I hope you continue to enjoy the holidays. Next week, I'll be back for part three with Steve, where we will discuss the building of worst of all design and how the right brain and left brain collide and make beautiful music together. And we'll get Steve's perspective on the whole thing for the first time ever, really. So you don't want to miss it. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I will see you all next week.